You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Stateside Podcast. Before we start today's episode, I wanted to give a quick recap on my experience this past weekend at the URM Summit 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada. I want to thank Finn McKinty for getting me into the summit and encouraging me to actually get off my ass and go. It was overwhelmingly a positive experience for me, and I had a chance to meet so many people that I've always wanted to meet. And some of these people actually felt like I knew online or I've talked to on the phone or I've exchanged emails with, but I've never had a chance to actually meet them in person. So that was really nice being able to meet all of you guys. And I want to give some credit to the guys that started URM, Al, Joe Wanasak, Joey Sturgis, Finn McKinty, all of the guys that are running this thing. It's from the top down and they are promoting positivity, openness, and a welcoming environment for all these audio engineers, music producers. And let's face it, that group of people can tend to be introverts and they... You know, they deal in in numbers and high frequencies all day. And, you know, they're typically in a dark room for 10 hours a day alone. And uh, so with that said, I, I felt like it was such a positive environment. I can't tell you how many people went up to me and just randomly introduced themselves to me. And again, that that comes from top down. And and Joel Wanasak is just the most positive energetic people I I have ever met. And again, I want to give some credit to the organizers of the summit for promoting that kind of vibe. I would be hard pressed to find anyone that attended the summit and bought a ticket and felt like they didn't get immense value out of this weekend. The amount of speakers and the amount of engagement and opportunities to grow your career and to learn was just enormous. And again, I want to give credit to the organizers of the summit. Okay, let's move on to the episode. So today's episode, we're going to have uh, technically three guests. It'll be in two separate interviews. The first interview will be with Josh Gilbert and Joseph McQueen. The two of them run a studio, a recording studio in Los Angeles called Sparrow Sound. They're old buddies that go way back. Uh, I think it sounds like they grew up together and you guys would probably know Josh Gilbert. Josh plays bass and sings in the prominent ginormous metal band As I Lay Dying. And Joseph McQueen is a killer producer and mix engineer. If you guys go to at Sparrow Sound on Instagram, you can kind of scroll through their feed and get an idea of what I'm talking about. They have worked with some of the biggest artists out right now in all genres, rock, metal, hip hop, pop, you name it. I had just met Josh the night before at a casino at about one in the morning and we were sitting there talking to each other, just kind of bullshitting, finding out what each other does and and why we're at the summit. And I'm telling him like, yeah, I I run a producer manager company and I live in Portland, Oregon, yada, yada, yada. And then he goes, oh, cool. I'm a producer as well. And here's my studio partner, Joseph. Uh, We mix records. We produce bands. And I play bass and sing in a band. And I said, oh, what band? Like an idiot. Even though I totally knew who he was, but at the moment I was just so tired and I didn't put it together. 
And then he proceeded to tell me that he played in As I Lay Dying, and then I felt like I was dying. Ah, <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? Okie dokie. Let's start this episode, shall we? Before we do that, do me a favor. Tell at least one person about this podcast. If you're feeling extra fancy, please leave a review on iTunes. Rate and review. You know, you know all about all that stuff. Subscribe to the show, blah, 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 blah. You know the drill. You guys are great. I appreciate all the support. And uh, one last ask before we start the show. Stop what you're doing and go follow these guys at Sparrow Sound on Instagram. All right. Enjoy the show. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank yes. you for having us. Josh Gilbert and Joseph McQueen are a production duo, songwriting duo. Is that kind of a... That's more his side. Okay. Yeah, like Joseph usually handles more of the mixing stuff, and I will spend more of my involvement on like songwriting and production side. But Joseph also does production as well. Yeah, and you you work for it at Atlantic or something like that? I did. I yeah. did. Yeah, for about five years. So that's a lot of your connection for... Uh, yeah, some of it, I would say. I mean, and, you know, especially considering, like, the pop and, you know, R&B uh, acts that I work with. Yeah. I got a lot of that from, from working at Atlantic. Some Atlantic clients I got it. from over there. Yeah. Oh, was, absolutely. cool. Um, yeah, but a lot of, most of the metal and rock acts we get are from, from him. From Josh. Yeah. And you play in a very prominent rock and roll band. Yeah, I play bass and sing, or like backup vocals in the band As I Lay Dying. Which was hilarious, by the way, when I met you last night. We were sitting there talking at the casino. We're talking about my ghost hoodie, and then we're just kind of talking about music or whatever. I'm like, hey, what's your name? You introduce yourself, and I'm like, so what do you do? And you're like, yeah, I work with this guy who do production. I also play in a band. And I go, oh, what band? Like an idiot. And I know (laughs) your band very well. And then you said, name your band. I'm like, oh, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, it was cool. I, uh, yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those things that um, I don't necessarily lead with at something, yeah. I guess, a conference about recording. But, right. Yeah, you don't want to uh, be that guy. But it's definitely, I guess it's cool, you know, for a guy who kind of dabbles in both worlds, I guess, to be here. Not to yeah. toot my own horn, but it's cool. it's cool to be on both sides of it, like to be a producer and produce other bands, but also like... Be, be from that. Dude, it's yeah. a huge advantage. It's cool to, it's cool to like, speak the language of the artist and kind of know like where their head might be. Oh, fuck or, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, I manage a, a few of those guys. Like Jay Moss used to play in Defeater, a big hardcore yeah. band, toured for a long time. And Alan Day, the singer from Four Year Strong, one of the two singers from Four Year Strong. So it's like, and that's been such a huge advantage to them for not just like as a good producer, because you know you have a, a sense of reference for what it's like to be in a studio as an artist, but also you have a baked in audience. Yeah, and you kind it's of a like... huge benefit starting out. It's such a mental game for people to perform in the studio anyway, and having gone like through the gauntlet with guys like Adam D and stuff yeah. that were producers when I was younger, mm-hmm. kind of like you learn what worked for on you and what you've seen not work on you. So it kind of like it's, I don't know, it makes it easier for me to communicate and kind of like guide the process without it too heavy of a hand. That's great. Yeah. But yeah. So how many, how long have you guys been doing this? Oh man, it's hard to the, answer The studio that. world. Maybe 15 years, 15 years or so. 
Um, I mean, I know I've been doing it for about 15 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we, I mean, honestly, before he joined As Light Dying, we played in bands together. So he's kind of been along for the ride ever since I started. Killer. Uh, I, he continued to play, obviously. I enjoyed the production side more. Yep. So I ended up just kind of sticking with that. And after he toured for a while, maybe two or three years into it, he was like, maybe we should just team up and kind of do this together. And that's, uh, yeah, that's awesome. So maybe so, 10 years. I don't know. How often are you guys booking work as a production uh, part of your world? Like how often are clients coming in? Uh, you know, I know, I know it's a hard question, but well, it's, yeah, it gives our audience a gauge of for what sure. you're doing. Okay. Uh, yeah. So we get, I mean, we're busy, booked up constantly five days a week tracking but it's not honestly everything i do a lot of writing sessions for you know pop or Mm -hmm. r&b artists stuff like that you know it can be that uh it could be artist sessions it could be um you know just mixing projects Mm -hmm. um but me and him i would say like when we do when we do the whole band from start to finish production full meal deal yeah yeah gotcha well that's when we'll we'll team up and it's hard because he's on tour a lot you know so it it has to be when he's off right and uh, a lot of times that will start with with him um, you know, working with them pre-pro first, like that's all him where he'll help write and get the songs down and, and that's the part fat. of the, the rate and the budget with the artist. Yeah, it can it's be. A, it's something we definitely, uh, specify at the beginning and, and ask about, you know, cause a lot of bands will show up extremely prepared and they don't really need to go through the week long or longer pre-production process. But yep. you know, what we like to do and what we get, I've gotten more into over the years is kind of guiding the process and finishing up the songwriting before starting like in, in the pre-pro. So it's kind of cool to like the band will bring, you know, their, their 10 songs and maybe we will cut a few of those and write some together in the studio. And that's my favorite part is kind of like seeing what the vibe the band wants uh, and seeing like the direction they're going and then, you know, trying to trim the fat and then trying to maybe like, if I can, write something with them, you know, cause I think there's something cool and it's like something I've always enjoyed is like that extra, like the producer being the kind of like the extra member of the band that, Absolutely. cause they, they have a, a perspective usually like in my experience where you can't it's even, removed. You, you can't it's listen objective. to your own yeah, music of course. fully objectively after a certain amount of time. So I think it's something that, you know, all, all the guys here at this summit are great and it's been really nice meeting everyone. But there is a lot of young people here, and there's people yeah. who are 22 years old that that think that the modern producer is engineer only, right. meaning like you just let's learn the the DAW and learn the tricks of how to mix, and all that's fucking important. But what's sure. more important is what you just talked about, like being an actual contributing member of the project, co-writing or arrangements. Hey, cut the fat here, right? Yeah. And if you guys focus in on that, you're gonna be unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do think it's important for for people, especially when they're just starting, to yep. kind of try to tackle everything, honestly. And, and Absolutely. Then it, and then as you go on, you can start to kind of niche down and figure out where your wheel where your wheelhouse is, where you're best at. Yep. Um, but I definitely do agree with you that I think, and that's why I think me and him make a good team because while I I used to be more involved in that side, but I found that what I care more about is the mixing and the you know the, the sonic stuff. Yeah. And he care, care not that he doesn't, but he cares more about well, it, the creative. It comes more natural for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so we can kind of tackle projects together and it's a good compliment, you know. That's great. You know, my involvement kind of started mainly because, you know, I I enjoyed gear and I enjoyed the process of recording, but I didn't necessarily know how yet. So yeah. I was just like, well, I will 
buy this gear that I think is sick and we'll figure out how to use it like together. And that's how a lot of it happened. You know, it started out because we just wanted to record ourselves in like 2005, like for our local band. As I, oh, okay. No, for our, our old yeah, band yeah. in Birmingham, Alabama. Wasn't it that band? It was called Gate City. It was like, I mean, it, we, we had several yeah, names yeah. and we did several small, very unsuccessful tours. But one of those is like how I got introduced to the mutual friend who got me the tryout for Asley Dying. Gotcha. So it was like, luckily that led to something uh, all that time. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. like Absolutely. whenever I left, that's when Joseph kind of was like, well, I guess I'm going to be a producer now. And after a couple of years of that, that's when I stor- sort of was like, man, I want to get back into that. So Joseph, teach me your ways. Right. Like, of, cause you had already gone down that learning the path of the gear and mixing and yeah i mean you see this stupid podcast setup i i have here this is as much as i can fucking handle yeah there's a reason i manage people like you and not (laughs) do it like i just i can't man it's just it's hard to keep up with it too because it changes every six months high frequencies and numbers and i'm just uh that's not music (laughs) that's that's my favorite part about it for whatever reason i grew up drumming and rock band and stuff so like instant gratification is what i want want yeah hard and then i it's like yeah. now i know what i'm doing um real quick i want to talk about the the way that you guys handle negotiating your budgets and rates for clients that come in because if you are doing something that's involving pre-production co-collaboration whether it's songwriting or you know just being in the trenches with an artist how do you guys typically talk about your value and and how to pitch yeah that? that's tough and i would say that it varies all the time. It varies from project to project. Of course. If, if you're working with a signed act or unsigned, you know, we know what it's like for that. So we try to accommodate, you know, we'll, sometimes we'll have discussion like, what is your budget? What can you afford? And then we'll see if we can really do that without it, you know. I think that's really smart. Yeah. I mean, because we want to, to work with everybody and, you, you know, right. and it's always an experience no matter what it is. So, so many missed opportunities by saying my rate is seven fifty a day. If you can't afford it, fuck right. off. Exactly. And I'm not saying there's, I mean, if you get to that point, do that. By all means, do that. But if you're still like trying to learn and get different clientele and you're still on that part of the career, dude, you're shooting yourself in the foot by giving yourself a set rate. Right. So none of our my guys have set rates for that yeah. reason. Now for, I will say... I was we have say, a number we don't try to go below. Right, exactly. But that's different. It really is. If it's like just a writing session, like, like I was talking about before, we do have like an hourly rate, you know, that kind of is, you know, we don't really bend on. But if it's like a full project where we know we're going to be doing writing and production mm-hmm. and everything. It's a, a discussion. Like a, a, a one solid number that kind of includes most of it, you know? I stole your throne. I'll, I'll just a couple minutes to give it back. Thank you. Sorry, that was the drummer I stole oh, a from. Oh, sick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, it's one thing that we've learned over the years is we tried to be extremely business about it, like a little too big for our britches for a while where we try to itemize every part about the budget. But what happens when you do that is a band will go, I don't need an extra hard drive, bro. Like, right. take that off the budget. And you're like, well, I kind of just did that because I knew it was going to be part of it and I'm going to have to buy a hard drive for this anyway. That's an interesting point because yeah. I encourage everyone to value the services rendered. Like, yeah. mixing, mastering, producing, and engineering are four different things. Right. And they should have separate rates. They should have separate budgets and conversations but you're absolutely right if you itemize too much you you set yourself up to be like well i actually don't need that part like my friend can do the the vocal editing that's right i'll save five hundred dollars or whatever you know yeah (laughs) um are you guys having conversation with the artist about writing points publishing anything like that It, it usually um i will say the very first uh songwriting gig that i got i had absolutely no clue that people really even did that i got asked to buy a band that i won't mention and uh 
the singer came and we like wrote songs over a week and they ended up like naming like the record after one of the songs we wrote but I was so like young and just didn't understand what was going on that I just asked for a flat fee and now I realize looking back on it having written some other stuff and getting royalties on those things the, if I would have done what I was supposed to do I probably would have made four times what I made to just off for a while too because I just guessed I just guessed I was like this is probably worth like X amount X amount yeah and now I see at this point like that was a terrible decision but you know that's what got me asking the question to begin with it kind of happens real fast people are just like hey we're gonna get somebody in this week and you know I don't know if they even expected to write right anything but they were just trying it out you know and for me that was when I decided though that I wanted to do that more and that's you know what I think the most of the joy I get out of playing music is writing it. Like I still mm-hmm. like performing, but that's not really the reason that I got into music. It's just like fun putting a song you together. You like creating something on nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, you know. Which is why you like the producing part the most. Exactly. Yep. And and like kind of just like tell the, the like audio story of whatever the vibe of the song is. But mm-hmm. that sounds really lame. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, but, I know what you're saying. But that yeah. lame. I got it. So uh, I think nowadays because of that, I don't, we don't really have like a, an attorney per se, but I have a friend who's in the entertainment, like CPA world that I will usually be like, dude, can I just give you like 50 bucks to write up this thing? Like, here's what my percentages was. I already, Good for I, you. It, it's pretty, it's pretty like a low pressure with a band. Like I, I, I don't think it's as hard of a conversation as I thought it was to begin with. It's you really kinda, not. And even if you don't have a CPA buddy or you don't have an entertainment litigator to go over that stuff, it's an easy conversation as long as you own it. Like if, say you want to do uh, two writing points or whatever it is with a band, just make sure that you are registered through ASCAP or BMI, right. where the fuck it is. And, and then, then I was lucky manually to be like, go plug it in. You yeah, can do it yourself. That's something I had to learn too because yep. the record labels are not going to, they don't, they don't do their, their due diligence no, on that. Just because you guys agreed upon it doesn't mean it's that you're actually going to get that quarterly payout. Like my own record label for my band still hasn't named any of the credits on the record. <laughs> it's, it's bananas. Th- yeah. See, that's a really good point to make to the audience because you yeah. are in a, a very, a big band that has a team and has support. It's just something nobody is out there happening. like trolling Spotify's of no. the world to see if that you're engineering and you're mixing credits on it. You know? Dude, don't even get me started about the <laughs> Spotify and not it's having tough. credits on there. How, how is that fucking possible in 2019? I don't know. But the, yeah, it like... It blows my mind. It's, it's, yeah. you definitely... Well, yeah, with, with ASCAP, I learned my lesson and, yeah. and I, cause I had to go back and get back royalties on something because like the band, one of the bands I wrote a song for signed a pub deal, but when they signed the pub deal, they didn't include my percentage on that deal. So it oh. looked like I had 2.5% of a song that I had 40% of. Mm. And so, but that wouldn't have been caught if I wasn't looking for it. And if you yourself, yeah, the guy that's I touring constantly pr- producing record, like, yeah. It's fucked, man. Because, you know, that's how those songs go. They, like, exchange a bunch of hands, you know, yeah, if, like, if, if, they, if they're licensing it out to people, mm-hmm. to, like, publishing companies. Mm-hmm. That publishing company, don't, they don't have, like, an investigator looking to see if the, what they're putting out there is correct. They're just like, cool, this is what we got, so let's yep. go for it. <laughs> now, do you guys have, like, a shared name for the studio, or is there an Instagram handle or something that people can find? Yeah, the yeah, the studio's name is Sparrow Sound. Okay. Um, yeah, we have a website, and, you Named know. after Captain Jack. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just at I, Disneyland. I've been waiting to say that for, like, months now. You, you got it, bro. Yeah. You fitted it in. Good job. <laughs> it may or may not be true. And for the audience, by the way, because this is an audio-based show and they can't see, uh, he, he leaned into the microphone that he wasn't holding yeah. in order to say that. A couple of feet away, and I wanted to make sure that was crisp and, and compressed right in the face. That was fucking, fucking funny. 
Uh, uh, what were we talking about? I don't know. The Doesn't studio. Matter. Oh, the oh, studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at, isn't it just at Sparrow Sound on Instagram, right? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I'll put that in the show notes and yeah, have people follow cool, it. Cool, cool. That's great. Yeah. I, I think this is good enough, man. There's cool. a little break in between the stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. We appreciate cool. it. <laughs> yeah, that was good enough. I'm, I'm just going to compile a bunch of shit. And I don't know if this will be a separate thing or maybe part of another thing. Yeah. yeah. It was fun. But thanks for chatting. All right, man. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Go do your thing. Thanks again, guys. Okie dokie. I hope you enjoyed that last episode with Joe and Josh of Sparrow Sound. What a couple of guys, huh? Up next, we have an interview with Jesse Cannon. And once again, it's in that same creepy ass hallway at the URM Summit. Uh, thanks to Jesse for making the time. He was a speaker there at the convention, and uh, it was very kind of him to to hop out and to talk to me for as long as he could. Uh, Jesse is a music producer, an author, entrepreneur, a, a fellow podcaster, and uh, if you want to find Jesse, go follow him on Instagram at Jesse Cannon, and uh, there's links to everything that he does from there. Uh, definitely go support what he does and tell him I sent you. All right, enjoy the interview with Jesse Cannon. Welcome back to the podcast, Jesse. It's very psyched to be doing yes, this in person. We are here at the URM Summit 2019. Yeah. It's and been, I'm looking at the big Ferris wheel. That yes. must mean that these people take like an hour to sit in this thing and be afraid of heights with how slow it moves, which is literally would cause me to hang myself. Oh, it is painfully slow. And I don't mean hang myself in the way that Jeff Epstein didn't kill himself. That's right. Dude. <laughs> dude, how crazy is all that shit? It's, it's, it's my favorite thing. I, I, you know, I went to Epstein, I went to Epstein uh, Truther meetup. Yeah. Union <laughs> no, Square Park. I, it, it is my favorite thing of all time. Yeah, it's... Um it's an absolute nightmare. That whole situation has. Well, this is this is what happens when you fuck kids uh, with famous people. You got to protect it. Yeah, you you, you got to protect the little ones. Defend famous pedos. Definitely not a shirt I'm making. Oh wait, I think. Check. 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 Oh, I'm d- okay. You are actually James, and I'm guest. Oh, that makes cool. more sense now because that mic is way hotter. Okay. I'm turning yours down. There you go. All right. Yes. Okay. Sorry. A little technical difficulties there. Yeah. We're, we're doing this literally in a hallway. We are. We're outside of the convention. A, a hallway overlooking the Venetian Hotel. Yes. Yes. And you're wearing your Bernie 2020 hat. That, 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 that. You got a rocket. day, every day. Yep. Got to represent Bernie. Yep. Defend Bernie. That's what I do. Um, maybe I need to make that shirt. Maybe like three inches away with that one. Okay. It's just so hot. But, um, yeah, because you don't have headphones, so you can't tell. So, um, obviously you've been on a few times. We did a little change on the podcast. We had switched the name. So the one you were on has become the, that RSS feed is now called Nonversation Station. I like and that, that name. And that is just some bullshit where entertainment really bullshit, right? Um, jokes and fart jokes, whatever. And well, this is back to the do. Stateside Podcast. Gotcha. So you are on the Stateside Podcast. Okay. Okay. As you were last time. But uh, so what's your what's your take on this event so far? I've been having a, a great time. I'm very glad my speech is done because that's always nerve wracking because you sit there, you're like, if I just read it once more, I'll have it all memorized. And you never do. No. But uh, thankfully, I 
stayed sober for once in my life, and then I felt really good when I did it. Unlike you also had now. a good time. Yes. It was like noonish, <laughs> one o'clock maybe. Yeah. And so then, that's uh, perfect. Yeah. Or then, from it had 10 a.m. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't. <laughs> I, we were talking about how we're both not morning people. And I'm like, he was he was like actually legitimately pissed about it because he yeah. he likes to cut loose and tie tie a few off, as they say. Yeah. And he couldn't same, do it last night. Same. And even if I was doing one o'clock, I just can't. I do not perform cognitively if I hit the booze, which is yeah. a miracle. Well, that especially I'm doing at now. our age. Like you, yeah. just, you can't do it. You get over. I don't know, 32, and it, hangover starts sucking. I, it really more. started at like 23 for me, but then I got really? sober. I got that sober sucks. for a long time, and then now um, I'm doing it up again. So, yep. Um, but yeah, regardless, okay. I'm coming back to life because I'm double fisting milk water. So, oh, there you go. That's the way to get healthy. Yeah, milk water for anybody who doesn't know is Evian. Yes, I actually did know that. Yes, um, that's hilarious. Yeah, this uh, this whole summit has like actually been very surprisingly positive for me. I mean, it's not like mm. I went to this thinking it was going to be shitty. I just didn't know what to really expect. And I was talking to Joel yesterday. It is just such a positive vibe. Like the whole mm-hmm. thing is like, you know, come really from Joel top down. Like they're encouraging yep. people to go up and talk to people and introduce themselves. And I just love that. Yeah, it's it, I have to say since this is my second year, uh I'm continually shocked by how good and pleasant it all is, but as an introvert, I get drained from all interactions, yeah. so I have to cut out and go upstairs and sit in silence every my once in a while. My wife is the same way. Yeah. yeah. You have to you, yeah. you have to it's good to know that. Yeah, it, it it's it, it, it is a thing that I did not know for a lot of my life and now I'm like Oh, like, you know, if like a band is like at the studio for seven days, I'm used to being alone because I work alone a lot. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need to schedule a lot of time where I don't hang out while they're here. Absolutely. Yep. You got to bake it into the project. I'm going to be dying. Yeah. Well, what, so what have you been working on lately? (sighs) That's always fun. Oh, so the funnest thing I did recently is I did Charlie Watts's biographies audiobook. So for people who don't know who Charlie Watts is, he's the drummer of the Rolling Stones. And he's a really interesting person because he changed a lot of things about way music is made. But what was cool with this audiobook, which is usually not exciting, is they charged us with making the most interesting audiobook ever made. So we got an all-star band like John Spencer from John Spencer Blues Explosion to play music and show how he helped change music. It's such a cooler way to do it. So the audiobook is like also a full-on psychedelic experience. Like there's times like the authors telling stories under Rolling Stones-esque jams to illustrate how the music changed. We play examples of how Charlie Watts even changed disco beats, all sorts of things. And then there's effects on the vocals. It's like, and it's a short book, but it really like keeps you listening. And that's so cool. Is it going to be, where's it going to be available? Uh, it'll be on Audible. everything by the time you hear this. Cause I think it comes out on Tuesday. So exciting, man. Yeah. That's um, so cool. How yeah. Fucking fascinating. Yeah. It was a, fun a really fun project to do. Uh, I just had records come out. This band Night Surf, I did an amazing full length mm-hmm. with, just came out. Uh, I have a band called Hot Knife that's about to put out a thing that a uh, Jason Livermore from the Blasting Room oh, mixed. Oh, I know which, Jason Livermore. Yeah, he's yeah, the best. Fort Collins guy. Yes, he uh, he did a really great job mixing it. It's like very funny because, you know, 
we're at a forum of record producers. So if there's one thing that's present is here's what happens when record producers get together to talk. First, it goes up, loved that record till fuckface mixed it. Yeah, right. And right. Uh, total opposite case, Jason Livermore kicked fucking ass. Livermore's and, been around for a hot minute. Um, yeah, well, even play. longer than me, which is crazy. Yeah. I can remember when I started, yeah, we mastered a record for that he did for this band called Shiner. Uh, dude, yeah. you're blowing my mind right now. When yeah. I was 17 years old, I went on tour with Shiner. Did you really? Yeah. Was, I uh, opened for them and Hum. David Sean Bosler in the band at the time? No, this was Jason Girk and Josh Newton, Al okay. Epley, and um, Paul Sh- Malinowski. Sean, Sh- Sean Bosler is a really good friend of mine. He was in so Shiner was for a while. back in the day. I think that was before the egg. Yeah. Oh, the okay. egg is the record I really love from that band. Yeah. yeah, that band, I, that record's incredible. That's like uh, top that's, five favorite bands for me. It's also like that crazy thing. That's a Jay Robbins, Jason Livermore collab record, yeah. which is like damn, like Very powerhouse cool. of powerhouse, engineering. Yeah, yeah that's uh, I, I'm a big fan of that Midwest. Like, I guess, what would you call that? Like math rocky? Yeah, you know, it was funny because it got put in the emo thing. And I don't think it's inaccurate, but it is interesting because like when we think of emo a lot of time, like we think... Jimmy World, early Jimmy World. Well, like, I would even say like the American football, like Twinkly thing, but they're more instead of like Twinkly, they're just like weird chords. There's this other band yeah. that I loved at that era, uh, Juno. Yeah, like and they're like the, yeah, the, the, cool. the like same category. Totally. In fact, I'm totally yeah. gonna go upstairs and listen to both of these records now. Um, yeah, all those bands. There's a band called Houston that you you definitely, definitely like. Don't if you know. like any of that. Yeah, I don't know. Do you like Hum? Oh man, I love Hum. Yeah, Hum yeah. is cool. Uh, failure, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Failure, fa- fa- Fantastic Plants, one of my favorite records of all it's, time. It's like most guys like us. It's yeah. it's their favorite records of all time. It, it, it's you, certainly you, top ten. You know, it's my favorite thing is like during the pop punk when I was doing more pop punk. All I would ever do to bands is I'm like, oh cool, the Lifetime part. They're like, who's that? And now yeah. I go, oh the Failure part, and like where you do, do the breakdown. They're like. Uh, wait, it's so, failing. It's not working. And I'm like, get, guys, never mind. come on, guys. I know, dude. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Well, you not know no failure, fantastic planet. Yeah, it's it's a little rough. Uh, we, Joel and I were talking about failure yesterday. He, oh, nice. He, he actually he did some work for Hum at one point. Oh no shit. Yeah, yeah. Very briefly, but oh, I guess yeah, he's regionally from the same area. Yep, yep. And the guy from Hum recorded that really good cloakroom record. I like Matt Talbot. That's it. Yep. Yes. Uh, and yeah, I think that record sounds fucking goofy awesome. Goofy guy, man. Is uh, he? Yeah, because I was like, I mean, that was like, for me, I mean, equivalent to meeting fucking Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue. When I was that age, they were like the biggest <laughs> band to me. And I was in Champaign, Illinois. I was a Champa- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like staying in this little hotel because we were making a record with the bass player of Shiner. And um, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, the guy that recorded Hum. Um, oh, oh God. I'll, yeah, I'll get, it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, we're, we're just killing time at this hotel. And then Matt Talbot knocks on the door at our hotel. And, you, you know, it really was like meeting Dave Grohl or something. Yeah, yeah, we were just yeah. like, holy shit. This is an actual rock star to us, you know, to, to other people that they wouldn't know who he was. Yeah, it's funny when when, That's crazy. What when that when their hit came out, they I mean, it was like so funny because they still weren't popular even when they were no. getting an TV player. Because I saw them at yeah. Maxwell's with like eighty people. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah, it was a great show. Well, I want to talk about the the sort of diverse career path you've made for yourself, and mm-hmm. it's something that I, I look up to. It's something that I'm interested in. I kind of don't have a lot of interest in doing one thing ever. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that's. So if you want to talk about it a little bit, I mean, for people that don't know you, you are an author, you're a producer, a mixer, um, podcast podcaster, developer, developer uh, now YouTuber, business owner, YouTuber, 
entrepreneur, all around guy. Yeah, you know the entrepreneur part. <laughs> you, you, you know, it's like so funny. I get mad at people for politics, like when they're like, like somebody will say like. Oh, I don't like that this person said this thing, and then I can't be on their team, so I'm going to vote yeah, the other yeah. side because I don't. I can't be around people like that. I now never want to say entrepreneur because every fuckboy YouTuber loser, every Hashtag person I, entrepreneur. Oh god, every person I meet that I like would rather hang myself than talk yeah. to for one minute is like, yeah, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Well, it's weird because like, oh. like 10, 15 years ago being an entrepreneur was like lonely and depressing. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a cool thing. Now, now it's, now it's cool now lifestyle. It's right. and, and now it's like, you know, what, what every, uh, like, you know what my other like favorite thing is, is like, you know, like when I was single, it's like every single time it's like every person you see, every person, your friend shows you, it's like, Oh, what's this? Like this person's cute. It's like, yeah, but it says entrepreneur under there. So, you know, they're a douchebag. <laughs> you know, like, douche. you, you don't can't want put that on your shit. Like, yeah. You don't you can't want put it on your Instagram bio. Yeah. You don't want that. Uh, yeah. So anyway. I, you know, I just joke that probably to a fault, I get bored and not as, I, I stay passionate towards the thing I'm doing, but I then need something else new to be learning. And, um, yeah, you know, and my interests change. Like, you know, I was talking about it the other day. I produce a black politics uh, show regularly and uh, was talking about it. And they're like, how did you get here? Yeah. And I'm like, 2004, I heard Rachel Maddow on Air America. And then I found out that she had a podcast. And But now I'm like, well, I think podcasts are now getting a little limited. I don't know what I've become convinced of since I worked developing podcasts at Atlantic Electra, uh, is that a lot of podcasts should be YouTubes and a lot of YouTubes should be podcasts. Interesting. And I'm trying to figure out what that is. So I've made this new channel because I'm like, what I'm doing with this now is better as a YouTube, but I'm also going to distribute it as a podcast for anybody who wants to just listen to it. Yeah, it's just it's not idea. all visual. I'm not going to put every video up. I do some video essays on it. Like, you know, I have like one like called uh stop asking who's the new nirvana and start asking who's the new brock hampton and like that yep. doesn't translate to audio but you know like what we're doing is great as audio no need needs to look at us mm -hmm. looking all tired and hungover mm -hmm. um, but uh other things are very much better as youtube and then the other thing is a lot of people don't look f you know podcast discovery still sucks so if like you're it's looking up a subject yeah. like you know a great example is like you know like uh, like one of the video I just shot up in my room uh, yesterday was like uh, how you actually find your community on the internet. I talk about like actionable things, but mm. no one can search that for a podcast. And if they do, they probably won't find That's the a thing. Really good point. Yeah, you can't really do that unless you put your podcast on YouTube. Yes, and, and, and then and, but like no one wants point. to watch a bl blank screen. I mean, for some reason, nope. they're going to want to watch this hipster asshole like talk with his hands like an Italian from New Jersey right, that right. I am. But they um, want that. But yeah, listen, you can you can have that all you want. You can look at the blinking lights of my mm -hmm. studio in the background, or in this case, that video, the hotel room. What's the YouTube channel? Is it just your name? It's called Muse Formation, actually, uh, which has been my company for ten years Say now. It again? Muse Formation, so Muse like music formation. formation. Okay, you know, um, I'll go check I, it out. Yeah, I uh, the channel is up with lots of old videos. It'll launch in a. I'm trying to get a strategic, more strategic launch going where I can choose which content comes out as people say mm. things. Um, I, but I have 20 videos done, so I'm, Good for I'm you. feeling 
feeling confident about putting it out there. Um, I've thought about the YouTube thing. It's just, it's tough to actually do it. It's one thing to think about it. It's a whole different thing to actually do a good video. And I don't know. For for now, I'll stick to audio. Yeah. The, the Conversation Station podcast, we will end up doing that as a video because it's more fun. Like we're yeah. goofing around and laughing. And Well, it's even the funny thing of like uh, my one friend, he runs a TV show and he uh, had this thing of like uh, he showed me. Uh, the metrics of how Joe Rogan's podcast breaks down. Oh, it's crazy. And it's crazy because video is growing for him so crazily. And it's like, why do you really want to watch that video? But like at the same time, hey, do. so the Bernie Sanders video apparently was almost 50-50 ratio of YouTube podcast. Oh, wow. Uh, at like day is that, 60 or something. Is that less or more than his normal? That's more YouTube than normal. Mm. Uh but that tells you the thing too that people are interested in watching the interviews and doing the dual format thing is a big deal and also i think there's a big thing with discovery it's like if you're searching bernie regularly you're gonna get that in your youtube recommendations i don't know if you're a youtube recommendation guy but when i come home at night much to my girlfriend's dismay i might add uh i hit the youtube app on my apple tv and i pretty much sit there for two hours watching my subs and my recommends and that's what i watch more than anything now yeah same and it's literally most of what i do so um it's um it's unfortunate that itunes apple podcast hasn't figured that out yet and yeah i don't know when that's gonna change well you know like the interesting thing i've learned also working in the podcast business is apple has three people on podcast product so this thing that 140 million people are using in yeah. North America between Canada and the United States, 140 million people. So that's almost half the country is using, oh, let's devote three people to it. <laughs> it's fucking so mind-numbing. Yeah, and, so, it, and it's impossible to find your metrics. You have to use a cert like Libsyn or one of those things to... <sighs> And th- that, 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 that shit is awful too. The only good one is Simplecast. Is and it? Li- yeah, Simplecast is the only. Because I'm only not one. having good luck with Libsyn. I, I always. Libsyn. I'll just say it straight out. Libsyn suck shit. I hate that I still have a podcast on it. But just as shitty as SoundCloud. SoundCloud mm-hmm. always has decent metrics. Uh, we use Art19 at Atlanta Collectra, and that's amazing, but it's really expensive. But we need lots of diverse mm-hmm. things, and they have a set of tools that no one else has that we need, do need. Because they want to know, like, geographically who's listening. Well, t- I'll tell you, you know, it's the most interesting thing, and if this is too nerdy for the podcast, you let me know. But uh, there's this thing called dynamic ad placement. Are you familiar? No. So let's say you're on a campaign for one thing. You can switch out the ads whenever you want all dynamically. Oh, interesting. So a great, like depending on what geographic or who's listening. Yeah. So like one of our podcasts, for example, is like, you know, the one I host is very like evergreen. It's a lot of like, here's a band story of this place of time, but it still gets a lot of plays later on, uh, even when it's not current. So, but if we're trying to advertise for our new show that just came out, we can swap that ad in every time we launch a new show as other things That's are playing. Rad. It's really good, but you know, the map, the price you pay is not feasible for most people who don't have a big audience, but obviously we have a big audience. We have humongous guests. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, for now, like lives in or one of the other ones is kind of the only choice for me now, but highly recommend switching to Simplecast. They have a okay. really good tool. Simplecast? Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. very affordable. Uh, yeah, it's a great company. Okay. Yeah. Libsyn is not really doing it for me right now. Oof. 
It, it's also just too complicated to use. But yeah, fuck, and it whatever. looks terrible. It, yeah, it looks terrible. Um, so other than that, I mean, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to talk mm-hmm. to everyone here. It's been, like I said, I not only has it been more of like a welcoming, positive, everyone's introducing themselves vibe, but there's also a lot more people here than I thought. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of people here. There's more than last year, and last year is too much. That's great. I'm really face-blind, too, so keeping track of everybody is a, a rough, oh, a rough yeah, ride. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. But uh, thank uh, God for name tags. Yeah, name tags. Uh, uh, <laughs> Special they, guest James. Yes, yeah, I, yes. Uh, <laughs> I signed up very late, like uh-huh. two days before this thing started, so they didn't have a name tag ready for me. So for people listening, I hand-wrote my name on my Nice, on my nice. But you do get to say special guest, which makes you sound important. That's right. I just, have spe- I just have speaker. God. Yes. Like, everybody can't speak. Speak. Right, right. Special speaker. But yeah, I've, I, I've learned fun. things which I'm always like, you know, it's hard to teach this old dog new tricks. Sure. So, uh, I yeah, just, I have to. So I'm, I'm excited to learn more. I'm going to go to great. Got to go to two more things tonight, mm-hmm. and then I will banish myself to my room to work on podcasts and mixes. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's been a good time. I mean, I commend these guys for for the community that they have built. Oh yeah. I mean, it's one thing to have an online community. It's Mm -hmm. something entirely different to have a real time in person community. These guys all like hang out with each other. They Mm -hmm. all give each other work. Yep. It's fantastic. Well, and the other thing that I think is very remarkable about what they built as somebody who, so my, it is like funny, Kurt Ballou from Converge and I were Mm -hmm. talking about this uh, at last year's one is that Kurt and I, we knew each other from shows, but we, solidified our friendship in like 97 98 on rec audio pro which was a usenet news group oh crazy and then it turned into a a message board called gear sluts around 1999 yeah. oh, okay. i want to say yeah basically everybody left and went to that because it was a better message board uh functionality and uh but yeah it's like so funny but the gear sluts became the most toxic place and then you the reddit audio engineering board is basically like yeah. imbeciles going like uh i have a microphone <laughs> but it has a different jack than what my computer's usb is what do and you're I like, do? come on guys. okay cool figure um, it out so they've built a community that never condescends but also keeps questions very relevant to the education base that most people are at which is that's a good way to put it uh, it's also fucking really hard, but Al and Finn are brilliant, brilliant dudes mm-hmm. at community and knowing how to do tasks that yep. aren't always the easiest tasks to get past. So yeah, I'm here because of Finn. Nice. That's, that's how I got here. I mean, he's yeah, he's been very helpful. I mean, everyone here has been welcoming, and it's just been great, man. It's yeah. it's really fucking cool. And there's so many people here that like. I knew I've talked to either email or a phone call or something, but I never met in person. And mm. so I, there's probably five or more people that, you know, it's been really like, like I've never actually met John, Johnny Minardi. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. it was nice to actually talk to him. And we talked for a long time. Super yeah. Nice well, guy. He's the, the, the best guy on earth. Sweetest man. guy ever. It, 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 anytime I get to have FaceTime with him as somebody who I talk to regularly and, and work with, yeah. um, it's it's a great thing. That dude has a brilliant brain on his head. Yeah. One day he will be the most powerful person in the music business, and that one day may come very soon. He easily could be, for sure. Um, I really liked his panel too. I thought that yeah. was a really clever way to do it. Is he, he gone? Did he fly out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he has a pregnant wife. Ah, uh, so we know how that one get goes. Home. Yes. 
Yeah, he's got a couple little kids too, right? Mm, he's got a single kid right now, but another one on the way. Oh, okay. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, this is good enough. I mean, I just want to chat with you, check in. Awesome. Know? Yeah. Well, well, I was psyched to do this. Hell yeah, man. Um, for anyone that can follow you, where, where can they where I'm can go? I'm at Jesse Cannon on everything. No I in that. Unlike what I've been tagged in all weekend. Very rude. Very uh, rude. And then uh, jessecannon.com is uh, where it tells you every single thing I do. Killer. Awesome, man. It was great chatting. Yeah, thanks for hanging, dude. I appreciate right, it. Let's go back and hang. Okay. Boom. That was an audio high five for people.
ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you'd cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.